This podcast is produced in association with our Amplified Podcast Network. We hope you enjoy. Hello, ladies, gentlemen, and everyone in between. Welcome to the fifth episode of A Theater Kid's Guide to the Galaxy. If this is your first time joining us, welcome. And if you're coming back, welcome back. We are so incredibly excited to be here with you today. I am your host, Luke Stevens, and today we'll be talking about the recent movie adaptation of the Tony-nominated Broadway musical, The Prom. The Prom starts with four washed-up narcissistic actors trying to gain popularity after they realize their careers are going downhill. They decide to help a 17-year-old lesbian girl from Edgewater, Indiana named Emma Nolan, who is facing discrimination from her school. Emma just wants to go to prom with her girlfriend like any other student, while the school's PTA fights back. The PTA ends up coming up with a scheme to make two different proms. On the night of the prom, they send Emma to the empty school gym, where she realizes she was lied to, while the other students enjoy the real prom without her. Outraged by this turn of events, the celebrities plan a new prom that is fully inclusive to everyone, to spread the news about the prom, Emma writes and posts a song talking about her struggles, which ends up going viral. The prom ends up as a huge success as students from across the country come to experience a prom where they're free to be themselves. And now it is my absolute honor to introduce our cast, starting with Abby Camp. Abby. Hi, I'm Abby, and my favorite canceled TV show is called Stumptown. Next, we have Anya Trimmer. Anya. Hi, I'm Anya, and my favorite canceled TV show is Anne with an E. Then we have Nataya Wilson. Nataya. Hi, I'm Nataya, and my favorite canceled TV show is High School of the Dead. Then we have our creative editor, Tim Little. Hi, I'm Tim. My favorite canceled TV show is Firefly. And our technical director, Ethan Talbot. Hi, I'm Ethan Talbot, and my favorite ended TV show is The Clone Wars. And last but not least, we have our producer, Chloe Fortune. Chloe. Hi, I'm Chloe Fortune, and my favorite canceled TV show is Rosewood. And behind the scenes, we have our wonderful tech crew, Emma Fleck, Aaron Mott, and Katie Fleck. Now let's pass it over to Abby for the rating system. Here at Theater Kids Guide, we use the planets and the one dwarf planet in our solar system as our rating system. We use the system to rate everything off of the planet's vibes, aesthetics, or whatever relations we see fit for the topic we're rating. With the rating system out of the way, what would you rate the prom, Abby? I would rate the prom a Mars because I feel like if there's one word to describe this show, it's colorful and bright. And I think that definitely shows in Mars. What do you think, Anya? I would rate the show Pluto because I feel like it had a lot of potential, but in the end, most of it was just wasted. And how about you, Nataya? I would rate the prom Venus because Venus is only can only be seen by the naked eye uh, very few times. So it's kind of like bringing things that are normally pushed away uh, into the light. The prom to me is a Neptune. I can't really explain why, but just when I think about the movie, I think of Neptune for some reason. So can we talk about the cast for a second? While I was watching that, I didn't realize how many like really famous celebrities were in this movie when I like went to go watch it. Like they have Meryl Streep, James Corden, Nicole Kidman, Andrew Rannells, and so many more really, really successful and famous actors and actresses in this movie. I feel like it was one of those things that Theater kids heard about it and they were just like, oh, this is a thing that's made for us. But I think that we realized with seeing the cast and seeing all the publicity that it was really just a worldly thing. It wasn't just about theater kids. It wasn't just about, you know, even just the U.S. You know, it was a big movie that came out everywhere. 
And I think that's really special because it's kind of opening up, you know, average people to that theater kids vibe. My thing is with this cast, there are a lot of people in there that you know, that you've heard of, and that, you know, every they're, they're really popular Broadway actors or singers. They've been in movies. And some of them, I feel like, weren't the right person for the role. I love Ariana DeBose. She played Alyssa, and she's one of my favorite dancers. She's supposed to be in West Side Story in a few here. So I'm really excited to see that. I love Nicole Kidman and Meryl Streep and James Corden, but they didn't do Nicole Kidman justice in her role. Her whole thing was, oh, I'm a fashionista who's kind of a drunkard, I guess, was her personality for the movie. But when she had to sing that song, Give It Some Zazz, I didn't feel like that was for her. I feel like they really focused on having an all-star cast and not how can we give these songs the life they deserve. I kind of disagree with that, if I'm being honest. I really liked the way Nicole Kidman played that role. I thought the the song Give It Some Zazz really fit. Like Nicole Kidman did a really, really great job with that song. It it felt like something you would hear when someone was describing how to play like a part in Chicago. It sounded like something straight out of the musical. And it was I thought it was really, really well done. I didn't really like the way Joe Ellen Tillman played Emma. I've seen clips of the show, The Prom on Broadway in an actual theater. And I like the way that the actress played her there because she's going through discrimination. She's going through something really tough that can really change a person. And it's okay to not be happy sometimes. And what the actors do on stage, they show her as like, she's sarcastic at times. You know, she realizes the gravity of her situation. She realizes that some people are just ignorant and she's going to have to deal with that all her life. And I feel like this Emma in the movie was kind of like, oh, it's okay, just breathe, just relax, it'll pass. Sometimes it doesn't pass. So I didn't really like the way that this character, I mean, I liked that it was different, that she put her own take on it, but it wasn't the way I, it wasn't the type of character that I was interested in. Actually, New York Times uh, had a review on this movie and they, they had like a similar opinion. They think that actually Emma should have been played by a different actress or actor. Um, and that she didn't even look like a high schooler, but she redeemed herself by her singing is what they said. So I don't personally, I think uh, I kind of agree with that. She could have, I believe Emma could have been played by a different actor and it would have been maybe a little better. But the singing, I mean, that was kind of the best part. I don't necessarily feel like they needed to cast someone else, but I 1000% agree that I wouldn't have personally done the role like that because on the Broadway version of the actual show, Emma is a more shy character. You know, there's a moment where she, she apologizes a lot. You know, she's not that kind of go-getter personality that they have in the movie. And in an interview, the girl that played Emma said that the word that she used to kind of motivate her character was optimism. And she got that word from the director when she was recording Just Breathe. And, you know, that's an interesting word because, yes, it's good to be optimistic in times like that, but I agree that there's also opportunity to feel those feelings, to feel sad and to feel upset and even to feel hopeless at times. Like that, I feel like that will be even more realistic. Yeah, I think that the optimism was just not realistic. And the movie actually had, it was very political, like, it was about religion. Um, there was sort of parts that were kind of messaging or conveying like liberal and, you know, conservative messages. It was actually 
very political. But the show itself, it was a little unrealistic um, human-wise because, you know, normally people don't act that way. And yes, it's like a musical, so no one's going to break out and, you know, a dance number and sing. But um, the actual characters themselves, they seemed a little, a little fake, like they're putting on an act. To me, I think it was realistic enough because the actual movie and the play and, I mean, musical were actually loosely based on a true story. What The event that happened where they canceled the prom and made a new one where the character Emma was only was sent to like the school gym like by herself was actually similar to what happened. And I have an article from Time Magazine that explains it. Essentially, it's, it's pretty much the same story where um, this girl wanted to go to prom with her girlfriend and wanted to wear a tuxedo, but the school would not allow them to. And so they, uh, the ACLU, or the American Civil Liberties Union, filed the lawsuit against the school district in an attempt to let them be part of all these celebrations like every other student would. And um, when, when the lawsuit happened, the school ended up canceling the prom, and the students reacted in the same way they did in the movie, where they all blamed them for the events that happened, and they blamed them for ruining their prom and ruining their year. I don't think I think this movie is realistic because it was based on a true story. So I think to call it unrealistic is kind of unfair because I think it's just ignoring the actual true story of what happened. Yeah, I don't think the story movie itself was unrealistic. I think the characters like the mood of the characters seemed a bit unrealistic. I actually remember hearing about this story, the actual story of what happened a while ago, and I was like pretty distraught. I think the extra nature of prom is taking away from the story because some of the characters, I mean, the characters, the actors did a good job, but I believe that the mood that they chose was a little different and a little unrealistic. I will say that I did like the way um, Carrie Washington played Mrs. Green, because I feel like if you're going to be the antagonist of the story, you have to get on people's nerves. And it wasn't just the fact that she was just blatantly ignorant and rude. It was the fact that she didn't have anything to back up her ignorance or rudeness. She was just basically like, I don't like it. And somewhere in the Bible, it says you shouldn't do it. So that's my opinion and story. And that, the, just the way she played that character, if you're the antagonist, you should get on people's nerves. And she got on my nerves a lot. So I thought she was a great actor. It seemed a little bit too lifelike when I have this thing where when I'm watching a show, I feel like if the character is played too realistically, I now have a grievance against that actor because the two, the two just kind of merge. Like when I was watching Glee and I hated Leah Michelle for a long time because I was like, Leah Michelle equals Rachel Berry. So I was like, Carrie Washington equals Mrs. Green. No, she doesn't. Entirely different person. So I really like the way she played her. I actually heard that Ariana Grande was supposed to be Alyssa originally, not Ariana DeBose. And she couldn't do it because of her sweetener tour. And I don't know. How do you guys feel about that? I actually didn't know that. But I feel like if she was, I mean, she has a background in acting. So I definitely think that she would be great at playing that role. But I do like that maybe it wasn't that way because I feel like if that did happen it would be too much of a cast that we you know are all obsessed with there's too many people that are 
such big actors. And I think when a lot of those people get together, it can almost seem like, yes, it's collaborative and it's great that way, but it can almost seem like people are watching the movie only to see them. And I think a lot of people wanted people to see this movie so they can feel that and so they can see this story come to life and maybe learn something new. Personally, I love Ariana Grande and I love her music and her voice, but I don't feel like she would have been a good voice, like singing voice wise for this cast. Because you have some big people off of Broadway in this movie. Broadway singers have a very different voice than pop singers, especially pop singers like Ariana Grande, who are very breathy, um, like can hit high notes effortlessly. I feel like her singing voice wouldn't have been a good blend with anybody else's. Overall, I do think that even if the cast wasn't completely supported by everyone, I do think that they tried their best to, you know, make their roles count. Keegan-Michael Key, who played Mr. Hawkins in the movie, said that he had been singing for a while, but he was never doing it on stage or on screen. And he hired a personal vocal coach himself to teach him these songs and to help him sing them to the best of the abilities. And I think that that really shows you know, how much people care about making this movie everything that people wanted it to be. Going back to Anya's point she made a few minutes ago, I find it interesting because Ryan Murphy, who directed the prom movie, also directed Glee. And there's a lot of similarities between some of the really stiff and like stagnant characters from the prom and from Glee. And I always thought that was interesting. Also, another topic I wanted to talk about is, do you guys have a favorite song or what song do you guys think is best from the show? I have multiple favorites, but if I had, I think the one that was that was just killed was Love Thy Neighbor. The one that Andrew Reynolds sang, I thought he nailed that number. He just milked it. He didn't milk it too much, but like just the right amount of dramatic and extra. It was just a great number and a great song for him. And I thought the choreography was really impressive and the lessons in that song are awesome. I also like um, Alyssa Green and It's Time to Dance. Those are, yeah, those are my favorites. I 100% agree with you. Love Thy Neighbor, in my opinion, is the best song in the whole show. It's it's not only Andrew Reynolds singing and Andrew Reynolds being awesome. It's the, you can see the other characters who were previously mean to Emma and all that. Him like singing to them and explaining stuff in a way they had never heard from their closed-minded point of view. And them sort of opening up to that new idea. And I thought it was perfectly done. I completely agree with both of you. I think that song is just beautiful in so many different ways. There were so many colors and the choreography was, I mean, outstanding. And it's just, the moral of that song is just, it's so, I think that really can make people feel anything. You know what I mean? Like anyone can hear that and be like, they can question why they think the way they do. If if they think like the students thought at the beginning of the song, like, well, why do I think this way? And I think that songs like that are just so powerful in so many different ways. And one of the lessons I really like that he that the song is about is it's not because it's about you. The Bible is not a buffet. You cannot pick and choose which parts you want. So his lesson wasn't don't read the Bible. Like if that's your thing, pop off. But if you're going to follow the Bible, follow it all. Don't get divorced. Don't get markings on your body. Don't wear excessive jewelry or makeup. Don't eat pork. You can't pick the part that you want to focus on for the sake of harassing other human beings. Yeah, honestly, that song was probably one of the best. 
Personally, my favorite was uh, Didi's entrance. It's not about me. That was just like a lot of fun, very powerful. I love that. Um, but Zaz, I feel like it it was also one of the best songs because it might be underrated, you know, but it's true. It's not just going on stage, figuring out how to act. It's like that song can help you be confident just in general in your life. And I appreciate that. You know, I really do. I think this song you were talking about, about religion, that's very important. I think they're pretty much most songs in this entire movie are important in their own way. They all like teach their own separate lesson. In terms of like favorite character and the character that I think is the worst, I'd have to say that my favorite character was Alyssa, just in terms of like character development, you know? Um, I feel like Emma kind of, I guess Emma Emma grew a bit more in self-confidence throughout the movie, but Alyssa really had that drastic change because, you know, her mom was the person who really was the one who was like, she can't go to prom with her girlfriend. Like she can't go to prom as a lesbian. So at the end, when she finally came, confronted her mom about it, went to prom with Emma, did what she wanted to do. That was a big change. And then the song Alyssa Green, when she talked about this is what my life is like, and then basically just trashed all of that and said, no, I should be able to be who I want. That was huge development. One of my least favorite characters, obviously my least, least favorite is Mrs. Green and the members of the PTA board, because I didn't really like um, Mrs. Green's quote-unquote redemption arc, because she was very adamant about no, she can't go to prom. And then all of a sudden her daughter comes out and in a few hours, all of a sudden just all of her ideals or like feelings just went away. Like I get that she's your daughter, but it didn't seem very realistic, you know? And one of my least favorites was Dee Dee Allen, the one Meryl Streep played. I just, I didn't like that character. She didn't seem, she was entertaining to watch because she was very dramatic, very over the top. But you have to remember that these Broadway actors had to go through that transformation because at the beginning, they were just kind of looking for a way, oh, how can people like us again? How can we be more popular? How can the public want to see us? Oh, a charity case. That was basically their whole thoughts and ideas. And Didi just was very bothersome the entire movie. Like she walked in saying, Oh, yeah, I'm so she basically started her, the movie by saying, I'm so famous. I'm so great. But you know what? I'm I'm not the main character. But look at me in my red sequin dress. I'm not the main character, though. Don't worry. But look at me. It was just. Uh, it's, uh. And the whole romance between her and Mr. Hawkins. Very unnecessary. I actually disagree with you, Anya. I think that Dee Dee Allen is the best character. She's she's lovable, even though she's bad and you know she's full of herself she's still there's something about her that you can just feel like yes you know what I mean like she's just so much fun and you can tell that she's really trying all the time she's just trying she's trying to change she's trying to get better throughout the movie I think she does and I think that is something that you know you can really respect when somebody is trying to better themselves and I think it's an interesting it's an interesting role that she plays she's that's one of my dream roles. So I think it's I think it's really cool that she, you know, can be a part of this, but also learn a little bit about herself throughout the show. Yeah, I agree with you. I liked uh, Dee Dee Allen. I thought her character, uh, you need to, st- when your character is based off the premise that you are a narcissistic actor or actress, 
you got to start out where people dislike you. And the way it started where it's like, oh, I'm so amazing. And I'm so, you're so lucky to be graced by my presence, but it's not about me. Like that is like, you, you get annoyed, but that's how you're supposed to feel. It's like, I think uh, Meryl Streep did a fantastic job playing that character. Also, um, Barry Glickman. I really, really like that character. It was really nice to see like the sort of change, especially at the end where he reunited with his mom. That was that was a really amazing scene to me. And also how much he wanted to help Emma. I feel like he was one of the first people to sort of flip from just caring about his reputation to I genuinely want to help her. And same thing with uh, Nicole Kidman's character, Angie. And then obviously Andrew Reynolds' character, Trent Oliver, I thought his character was hilarious. I don't know why. Uh, just anytime he went and did something, like anytime he would like mention Juilliard or like when he went up and sang the like acceptance song at like the monster truck rally, that was hilarious to me. I found that really funny. <laughs> yeah. And then I agree with Anya about um, Miss Green. It's the actress did a very, very good job of making that character unlikable uh, because. It was really, really well done to the point where the character genuinely annoyed me anytime I saw her start talking on screen, except near the end. I did like sort of how she switched. I know that's not realistic, but she started to get better. And I know she's not fully there, but she's going to start learning. And I thought that was nice, but still, I just did not like the character. I think one thing we for, haven't really mentioned is the cheerleaders. And the cheerleaders, they're always the best role. They're always in the good movies, you know, the good high school they're just such an important role and they're really just very you know they're there everyone knows they're there but they're kind of underrated like without the cheerleaders this would not be as good as it was honestly let's be honest here okay so we've talked about Dee Dee we've talked about Barry we've talked about Angie Emma and Trent all of them but we're forgetting Sheldon who was played by Kevin Chamberlain he was working so hard behind the scenes to set up everything. He was the one who found the venue for the, the Monster Truck Arena for the acceptance song. He was working behind the scenes to set up everything. And I just feel like he does not get enough hype because he was so cool. That's sort of the job of a manager, though. You know, because the manager, normally, they're doing most of the work. Um, and then they're just doing the work, they're underappreciated, they're like unknown, but they're there. At least they're making bank. You gotta love Sheldon. So one thing that really stands out about this movie is all the costumes and how colorful they were. Does anyone have like a favorite like costume or something that someone wore in the movie that you thought just really like was like, wow. Nothing specific is coming to mind for me, but I just love how colorful and just bright everything is in this movie. I think that it really, it makes the audience feel love and it makes them feel, you know, happiness and joy. And the costume designer, Lou Eirich, did such an amazing job, just such an amazing job of giving that, that feeling of joy. And that's what, you know, costumes and makeup and, and set is all about. It's all about giving the audience a feeling of something. And I think they did an amazing job on this. I think it was actually a feeling of pride, you know, at the end when everyone is in there, is at the prom that includes everyone from all over the country, you notice that the Broadway actors are, and the principal are all wearing colors of the rainbow. They all have their own color, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, purple. 
And I thought that was really cool because it's supposed to symbolize the pride people have. And you could tell that each person had their own style, you know? Nicole Kimmon's character was very jazz, old Chicago. And then you had um, Meryl Streep, who was just very out there and sparkly. And then you had Andrew Rannells, who was very, he wasn't as big, but he was still, you know, he had his own little Broadway style going on, his old dancer. Everybody was very different and their costumes were built for that character. So after doing some research into this, I found that the prom actually had like a lot of really, really good costumes and sets because they had a huge, huge creative team. Their wardrobe team consisted of 30 different people. The makeup department had 24 different people and the art department, which was mostly set building and design, had a huge department of 42 different people working on all of these sets. Uh, when I was watching it, I was amazed. Like, oh my God, this is beautiful. This is really, really well set up. How did they do all this? And to know that they had a giant crew working on this just makes it um, the better for me, honestly. It's like to know that all of these people put all of their little like art styles and things into this just makes it so much better. I feel like that collaborative effort just really makes anything amazing. It, you can feel it. You can see it in the movie, how, how hard people worked on this, how much love went into it. It just you can really tell you can feel it you can see it it's just so bright and beautiful and you can tell how many people really cared about making the work look great so earlier in the discussion we talked about how political the show is and all like the the representation how do we feel about the representation of the lgbtq community in this movie i know that they thought about it because the girl who plays emma she came out as queer when she was 17 which is the same age as emma is in the movie so you can tell that they thought about it, but a really important thing, they didn't really make it anything that they had to worry about too much. James Corden, who plays Barry, is not gay. And a lot of people online and, you know, through reviews have been saying that he didn't portray the character well and that he kind of mocked gay people. And I think that it's really important to criticize everyone no matter if they're super popular, no matter if they haven't done things wrong in the past. I think it's important that you really look at things and you're like, well, that's not what these people are. These people aren't just, you know, a joke. It's more of the actual personality. And I think that even though some people have varying opinions about, you know, how well those characters were portrayed, um, it's just definitely something that people should look into more in the future. I was thinking more along the lines of the representation, the character, you know? You have two characters. We know that Emma's a lesbian. I'm not sure if Alyssa was supposed to be a lesbian as well or bisexual, but they don't have personalities. Like I, Alyssa does. Like you look at her and, you know, she has a whole song about her personality, but lesbians don't, you don't walk up to a lesbian or a bisexual or a pansexual and say, hi, I'm Anya, and they don't respond, hi, I'm so-and-so, I'm queer, nice to meet you. No one does that. And I feel like that's really what they did with Emma's character. She just walked in and basically, you know, I'm a lesbian, and then what, what, what's the rest? She's optimistic. They didn't give her the depth that she needed, the depth that she deserved, that these characters that needed. So that while this representation was a win, I wouldn't say it was a victory. It wasn't really big or helpful. It didn't help people change their minds. It was like, they didn't give these characters 
the backstories, the background that they needed to make them relatable. They, no one, I don't think that a lot of kids can relate to being the only out person at their school. And oh, I want to go to prom with someone of the same sex. Oh, well, you can't. I don't think a lot of people can relate to that, but they can relate to the feeling of being isolated, of being alone. And they didn't focus on that part of her personality. They focused on the dance. All she wanted to do was go to the dance. It was like the Cinder- it was like Cinderella. All she wants to do is go to the ball. What we do? They should have given her some other aspects and focused on that too. I definitely feel like one of the things that kind of made it not feel as realistic to me is the way that you know Emma's goal was just to go to the prom. That was her. That was her only want. While there were other problems too, like yes, she couldn't go to the prom, but there were reasons that she couldn't because people were the way that they were kind of like, oh, once she goes to the prom, then the ignorance will be gone. I think that's unrealistic. And I think that the way her mom just kind of flipped immediately was also unrealistic. I think people need time when they start off like that to, I guess, get used to it. But I definitely think that there could have been some more opportunity of there because the people that want to see that are the people that, you know, go through that. And the people that don't go through that need to see that because they need to see that that's what happens and this is how that makes people feel. And I think that's the only way that people are going to change. I personally feel like that this relationship between Emma and Alyssa had problems. That scene where, um, I mean, you saw them walking around and talking like, oh, I wish things were like this, things were better. Okay, good for you. We all wish things were better. What are you going to do to change that? And I feel like when Emma basically told her I'm breaking up with you because you don't want to shout our love from the rooftop. Emma had basically just been kicked out of school. She'd just been discriminated against. She understood how hostile the environment around them was. And like she was going through that right now. Why would she want to put that on her girlfriend? I felt like that was just really confusing. And that wasn't great representation. Because yes, you should want to shout, shout your love and relationship from the rooftop. But if it means that it's harming your safety, I mean, you saw in the opening scene when Alyssa's mom was literally saying, oh, I hate everyone who agrees that people should be treated as equals." In the front, like, oh, my God, like, how am I supposed to come out anytime soon if this is my life, if this is where I live? And the fact that Emma was just like, come out, or I'll break up with you. This was really unfair and irrational. So follow up question. Do we think this is enough? Was it enough to show the discrimination that people in this community face? I think that this movie was, it was enough to spark something, you know, in people's minds. It wasn't enough to anything, I don't believe. I think it was just maybe to set that idea in their minds. I am not going to speak for everyone on this topic, but I definitely feel like this movie was kind of a crash course to acceptance. It, it wasn't anything in depth. It wasn't anything that's, you know, it makes people think, but I think that also a lot of the things that happened in the movie, people are already aware of. And I think that the opportunity to add in more of those personal stories and more of that in-depth kind of hopelessness that people might feel when they're being faced with that discrimination, if that was added in, I think that that would have made it even more of an impactful movie. But I do think that this was a nice movie to start off with if you have people that are just, you know, completely ignorant about the topic or 
they're just super unaccepting. I think that that would be a good movie for them. But I do think that the majority of people need more of that just blatant thing. And this is how bad it is. And, you know, daily conversations is what's going to solve that. I totally agree with you guys. It was enough for it to put in people's minds, oh, people go through this and nothing more. Because they didn't really, as much as they focused on the discrimination part, they focused on the actual prom dance even more. The movie was centered around, oh, I want to go to the dance. It wasn't centered, it was, yes, it was centered around that I want to go to the dance, but they won't let me because I'm a lesbian part. But they really seem to just focus on, oh, all she wants to do is go to the dance. Hmm. And that was enough to say, oh, people go through this, but not to say, how can I help? How can I change this? What can I do? If I show this movie to someone who firmly believes that people should be straight always, I don't think they would have changed their minds on it. I think they would have felt some sympathy or some pity, but they would not have changed their opinion. And it's because after you watch the movie and you try to think about the lessons you learned, what are the lessons? Don't discriminate. Love is love. Yes, <laughs> basic human rights and truth. But what was influential? When I think about that movie, there was nothing that keeps me up at night, like taking it apart, you know? Like when you watch a movie and there's this line someone says and you're like, wow, that really relates to me. And you stay up at night thinking like, wow, how can I change this aspect of my life, right? It didn't have that. It didn't have that big moral lesson that like, here is why you should stop being ignorant and accept people. This is why you should let people be who they want to be. Because they didn't focus on that. They focused on all the flash and all the fairy tales of the prom night. I agree. And I doubt this was the goal of the movie, but I feel like there was some kind of narrative that kind of gave the impression that if we give her what we what she wants, which is going to the prom with her girlfriend, then, you know, she'll shut up about it. And I really hope that that's not what anybody got from the movie, but I do feel like there was many steps taken other than just letting her go to the prom that could actually help her feel included. And I think the actual prom wasn't even done by the school board. You know, it was done by the Broadway actors. So yes, she got to go to the prom, but what happens next? You know, there needs to be some actual like systemic change that happens in those school board meetings or just honestly, in the world in general, that can actually make things get better. Because if we just keep, you know, being like, all right, you can have that, then nothing's going to actually change. No one's going to actually feel differently about things. They're just going to think that if they give people what they want, then they'll stop talking about it. But that shouldn't be what happens. Honestly, to me, there are so many other TV shows and movies that you want to show children because that can help them come to terms with themselves, you know, in terms of like real life scenarios and applications. We know that this movie was based on like a true story, but it's not something everyone can relate to. Everyone can relate to that feeling of loneliness or no one's going to accept me when I come out. How am I going to do this? What's this like? We never even got to see how Emma came out. The real struggle for kids is when they do come out and then everything they have to face afterwards. But all we saw was everything Emma had to face. And while that was a really tough situation for her, it didn't apply to me. And as a pansexual, you know, that's the kind of representation I want. That's the kind of thing I want to see. I want to see other realistic situations of people like me on screen, learning lessons, changing lives, helping other people figure out their own thing going on. And that just wasn't 
shown. It didn't help kids see, oh yeah, this is going to help me figure myself out. It just, it wasn't that type of movie. It was more something to watch like, oh, I want to, I want to feel good. I want a happy ending. But they didn't show what happened afterwards. How do we know it was a happy ending? What happened to Alyssa and what happened to Emma? What happened with their relationship? Because you know that not everyone was going to accept them. And I feel like they just kind of ended it on a happy note, like, what do you do? This is it. And sometimes that's just not how it works out. Yeah, it sort of seemed like they ended it on the climax. And another debate that people could have about this movie and that I've definitely been thinking about is, is it more important and does it have a better impression to have a movie that has discrimination and also acceptance to show that acceptance is better than discrimination or to set a scene that just never had discrimination in the first place, which makes people learn that it's more normal and, you know, it's it's okay to be who you are. So despite some of the ways we found this movie like falling short, would we recommend it? Is it a good movie, do you think? I think I would. I think that, you know, it, it has its flaws, but overall it's a good movie. It features acceptance and it has a nice message. And I think that you can just kind of necessarily look past the bad things, but understand the bad things. Personally, I would not recommend this unless someone was very bored because this movie in general is just very long. And for me, it was very hard to watch because it seemed pretty stretched out. And, um, And sometimes I just kept getting distracted. I would recommend this purely because it is one of the better Broadway to movie adaptations I've seen compared to like this, comparing to like the Les Mis movie. This one was a lot better of a transition from Broadway to movie. It had really, really great songs. The choreography was great. The costumes, all of that. I think that all, despite its flaws, I think it all ended up being a pretty good movie. All right. Well, that was a great discussion. Thank you so much, guys. But we are now going to be moving into our next segment, which is ranking. This week, our rank master is Tim. To preface this, Tim has not seen the list, so he is rating this completely blind. The topic for this week is drumroll, please. The best Valentine's Day gifts to receive or to give, starting with a box of chocolates, flowers, chocolate-covered strawberries, stuffed animals, matching jewelry, homemade gifts, or romantic letters. Aw. So, Tim, are you ready to get started? Yeah, I'm ready. All right, well, this one might be a bit controversial, but in last place, I have a box of chocolate. And the reason I put this here is because I feel like of the Valentine's gifts you can get, this is one of the most unoriginal. Like, you can really just kind of pop into any sort of store and just, you know, buy a box of chocolates. In sixth, I have jewelry. And that is because, personally, I don't like it when people spend a bunch of money on me. It kind of makes me feel bad because I don't want people going to the effort of spending large sums of money on me, especially for something that I might not use all the time. In fifth, I put stuffed animals. That's just mainly because I personally don't really care for stuffed animals all that much, but I like the sentiment behind them sometimes. In fourth, I put flowers because flowers can be very customizable and tend to look very beautiful. 
In third, I put chocolate strawberries because, I mean, who doesn't like chocolate strawberries? They're good. They're great. Uh, in second, I put romantic letters because I feel like these can be very, very personal to whoever is writing, whoever you're writing to and whoever you're getting them from. And it gives you a lot of room to really kind of put whatever thoughts you want down on paper. And in first, I put homemade gifts because that is, that is one of the most sincere forms of gift making, in my opinion, to get a gift that like can't be bought at a store, but someone like spent time and effort on making. Uh, I think that's really a really important kind of gift you can get from someone. I think that is one of the best lists we've had in our ranking segments. I have no complaints. I agree with you on all of this stuff. Wow. I'm good on you, Tim. People who are doing ranking in the near future, take notes. All right. So now we're going to be moving into RFT, also known as Rapid Fire Trivia. Our contestants today are Ethan, Chloe, and Abby. Are you guys excited? I personally am excited to redeem myself. Yes, I am. I'm personally excited to beat Abby, who's trying to redeem herself. So yes, I am. I'm personally excited to make sure the techies maintain their lead over the cast. So yes, I am. Great. All right. So first up on the plate, we have Ethan, or Ethan, are you ready to go? Ready as I love to be. Perfect. All right, question number one. How many points are a touchdown worth? Six. Correct. What is the largest freshwater lake in the world? Tahoe. Lake Superior. Who directed the Lord of the Rings trilogy? Peter Jackson. Correct. What does the term piano mean in music? Quiet. Correct. And which country is Prague in? I don't know, Norway. It is the Czech Republic. Three out of five. That is not a bad start for you, Ethan. All right. Next up on the plate, we have Abby. Abby, are you ready to go and redeem yourself? I think so. All right. What is the capital of Spain? Um, the capital of Spain is... Um... <laughs> you can skip if you need to. Yeah, skip, I guess. The answer was Madrid. Who played Neo in The Matrix? Um, Leonardo DiCaprio. It was Keanu Reeves. <laughs> nice. What color is a Welsh poppy? Yellow. Correct. Yay. When was the first ebook invented? 2001. It was actually invented in 1971, a while ago. Hmm. And May Queen, Wisley Crab, Fox Whelps, and Lane's Prince Albert are all species of what? Fish. Apples. Okay, with a score of one out of five, that is Abby's turn, matching what she did last time. Last up to go, we have Chloe. Chloe, are you ready to go? Sure. Okay. What is allspice alternatively known as? I should know this. I bake all the time. Um. You can skip if you need it. I will not ever skip. I lied. I have no earthly idea. Ginger? Pimento. Oh. Who was the Spanish artist, sculptor, and draughtsman famous for co-founding the Cubist movement? I don't know. The answer was Pablo Picasso. What color jersey is worn by the winners of each stage in the Tour de France? Blue. Yellow. What color is a Himalayan poppy? White. The answer is blue. Where would you find the Sea of Tranquility? 
Italy? The answer is the moon. So Chloe with a staggering zero out of five after attacking all that smack towards Abby. Abby really did have her redemption after all, but there's still a chance where Chloe can go and redeem herself with our two theater bonus questions. Okay, I'm going to have you guys raise your hands to let me know if you have the answer once I read these. Get prepared, all right? Question number one. Which show was based on Miguel de Cervantes' Don Quixote? The answer was Man of La Mancha. And our second and last bonus question is, in which decade did Godspell open on Broadway? Abby. The 60s? No. Chloe. The 1980s? No. Ethan? 70s? The 70s! Ethan has got it. Okay, and that is all the time we have for today. Now, I'm going to go ahead and read out the scores. As we know, our winner today is Ethan with a score of 5 out of 9. I would like to thank the Academy and Abby because without our support, the Techies would not have been able to maintain their lead over the cast. Then in second place with a score of 1 out of 9, we have Abby. Abby, what do you have to say? i just like to say that I beat Chloe. Um, I think that should be known. Uh, even though I didn't do any better than last time, I'm still proud of myself. And then in last place, we have Chloe. Might I remind everyone, the one who talked the most trash after Abby and the rest of the cast did not perform well. A Chloe did perform well on the mini-sode, but this time it's not the same story. Chloe, what do you have to say for yourself? Can't say that. I'm sorry, Grandma. Sorry. That was a great trivia round, but sadly, that is all the time we have for today. I want to thank each and every one of our listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in, and make sure you come back next week for more of A Theater Kid's Guide to the Galaxy. Please follow us on Instagram at Theater Kids Guide to the Galaxy and Twitter at Theater Kids GGD for more content. And feel free to check out all the other awesome podcasts on the R Amplified Network. Thanks again for listening, and I hope you have a wonderful day. Bye.